0: are back here on another episode of fantasies from the bedroom i am your host jake weiss coming to you live not from the bedroom but from the living room and this is fantasies from the bedroom where we make all your fantasies come true it is thursday december 3rd 2020 i cannot believe we got here We are 28 days away from having survived this clusterfuck of a year, and my goodness, do we have a fantasy football final week for the ages to do that. So much to talk about, so much to do, there's so much group me chatter going on, I can't even begin to describe it. Of course, how we will do it is we will look at last week and see what unfolded. Normally, I would say we would do a review of the waivers, but even though it's fucking Thursday, there have been no waivers because we live in the weirdest times in the history of the world. And because the Ravens and Steelers game got postponed all the way to Wednesday, Yahoo does not have waivers till Friday because they moved the Thursday game back. So we don't have waivers to review. But we have, excuse me, we have plenty to talk about from last week, and we have so much to talk about looking forward. Before I get into anything that happened last week, I need to start with a bit of a rant about the NFL. And I know some of you are going to sit here and fact check me, or Jason's going to use all the first names, tell me what Roger really thought. Fuck all that. Hear me out. Like, How is it? that the Broncos are forced to play their game with literally no quarterbacks. And a few weeks ago, the Niners were forced to play their game when like 80% of their, but the Ravens get to keep postponing their game. Like I just like, because it was Raven Steelers, because it, it was, it was a bit wild to see the league show genuine favoritism in that way. Like, Oh, the Niners kinda stink this year, so fuck 'em. The Broncos, they really stink, so fuck 'em. The Ravens, the Steelers, that's a big matchup. Let's keep pushing it. It's wild. And the best part of all of it, the best part is that when all is said and done, that Steelers Raven game had to happen early because of the Christmas tree lighting at Rock Center. I mean what a fucking moment for the NFL for their idiocy to come down to well, we can we have to have it so early because of the Christmas tree lighting at Rock Center. By the way, fun fact, I watched the Christmas tree lighting for a moment for the first time in my life. Maybe young me watched, but, you know, in the Jewish family, it wasn't as important. Now that, you know, Chef Molly and I are committing together for life, as you saw from my amazing Insta story, Christmas is a bigger deal in this household. I didn't realize that the Christmas tree lighting is just a parade re-performed again at the Christmas tree lighting. It kind of feels crazy, but they were literally just introducing all the same people, and then they were singing all the same songs. I don't know. It felt a little like a hoax. I don't know if any of you have been watching it all these years, but I didn't realize, and I'll admit, I'm just going to choose one or the other to watch going forward because it seemed like they were the same thing. So that's my long rant. I think the NFL, I already thought it was corrupt, but I had never seen uh, that level of favoritism. I know that there are other organizations within the United States that some listening to this pod would argue are corrupt. I think people on both sides would argue the other side's corrupt. We'll leave that for now. Who knows if in the midst of my ranting or reviewing on the league, I might comment on uh, any of those other elements. But, wow, obviously I'm going to go into what got us here last week, but we head into this week with the potential for six different teams to make the playoffs. Realistically, we have three who definitely clinched in Jason and Brian, clinched the one seed. We'll get more into that. David and Henry and Connor and Pot, they are going to be fighting those two for the two seed and the bye, but they are both in second and third and clinched. Jackson and Abe, Payton's man thing at 6-6, six and six, although theoretically could fall out, their point total is just probably a little too high to put them at risk. But the next five teams, I won't name all their names, all have a chance because we'll get into it later. And poor Statman and Mitch uh, find themselves at the bottom of the barrel and not able to make the playoffs after a heartbreaking loss. So that's where we're at. We'll come back to it. Let's look at that last week, and I'm just going to go from the bottom up. And this was Jackson and Abe, Peyton's man thing, playing Robbie and Justin, both 5 and 6. And Robbie and Justin, how does one say this? Shat the bed. A 77-point performance. Just an absolute abomination a one-point performance from their quarterback, Derek Carr. It is as bad of a moment as you could have had in such an important week because it's double bad because not only is 77 points essentially a guaranteed loss, but there's a very real chance, and we will get into it, that points could be the difference between who snags the 6 seed or not and to you know, fall 20-plus points, let's say, this week even more Behind all these other teams. It is just devastating. And, you know, I, th- this is a team I see. So, Lamar had COVID and Thielen had COVID. So, they were missing their two best players. Ayuk is still out. I mean, it's a... But this team just... They never really... I mean, Damian Harris and Naheem Hines are honestly good pickups and good back. They just... They didn't get the performances. and I just don't think it's a good enough team uh, to really make a run. On the other hand, Peyton's man thing, I was going to say I feel like this happens every year, and maybe there is a chance that they shadily also had Derrick Henry two years ago when he went crazy. Um, but, like, obviously they kept him from last year. But, man, this is what Derrick Henry does, right? November, December, it's just like, I mean, he put up 37, and they had Watson put up 33, and it's game over. Right? Nothing you can do there. They had four from Clyde and zero from their defense and still put up 135. Uh, So Jackson and Abe and Robbie and Justin, um, an absolute beatdown. Is that the biggest point differential? It might be close with the next matchup we're going to go into, but nearly a 60.1. You know, Robbie and Justin, what we would call the fall from grace. And we'll confirm if that's a full fall from grace next year next week if they don't make the playoffs, but you're talking about a team that was one Aaron Jones scamper away from winning it all last year. And now an absolute debacle of a season and they'll go have to go back to the drawing board. As we were discussing in the group me, you know, they might need some of the welfare programs that they so support nationally here in the league. So we'll see what they nominate to be voted on for next year to try and make the league more fair for them because this year they got shellacked. Now, granted, they are still technically alive, and we'll get into it. We move to the next matchup, which featured— I have to go back and look, but I did a quick review, and I believe um, that this featured the highest point total of any team in the league this year. I'm sure you're all going to fact-check me on that but 178 points from David and Henry. Akos, Florida home, rented, beating Swirlies for the loser, who put up a very respectable 112. And the crazy part about what David and Henry did is their quarterback put up fewer than five points. I mean, I just wonder in the history of fantasy, in the history of our league, how often a team has put up over 170 with getting fewer than five from their quarterback. I have to imagine it's very rare. And how did they do it? Well, they had one of the, I think I heard it was like one of the 25 or 30, maybe 35 best fantasy performances in the history of fantasy from Tyreek Hill, putting up 51 points. And what's crazy is Tyreek had that with like seven minutes in the third quarter, and it seemed like the Chiefs just took the gas, the pedal off the gas. Uh, There's a world, I feel like, where you run that game back again and Tyreek ends with 350 yards and five touchdowns. It's too bad they didn't push that to just see what his total would have been. But you combine that with Will Fuller, who put up 32 in a wild Thanksgiving game, Antonio Gibson, who put up 34 in Thanksgiving, and A.J. Brown, who's really come alive with 24, and that's your recipe. Now, obviously, when we talk about next week and looking forward for this team, the Will Fuller suspension looms large. And could that be the downfall of this team? We'll get back to that. On the other side, Swirlies for the loser, you know, the ironic part is they could end up being the loser at the pace they're at. They lose again, and I want this to be clear, You're gonna, this is their fourth loss in a row. This was a team that early in the season I proclaimed as the best. They marched their way to a 5-3 and three record, looked like they were primed to compete for first place, to be one of the best teams. Four consecutive losses, and a big piece of that was, similar to our team, the DAC injury just changed the trajectory of Zeke's season. Josh Allen came back to earth. I mean, it's a lot of different things, but a real wow in how quickly this team's season kind of fell apart. They lose again. They get good performances from Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, Ronald Jones, but just not enough to overcome the absolute onslaught. David and Henry... David and Henry beat Weissman in the rematch of the roommate. And I'm gonna quickly look at the schedule and see that that is okay, they split the season series. So that the old roommate split the season series. So we're even wow. Weissman and Kess were three and one, and then four and two, and then five and three, and now four. So they were three and one. They've gone two and six since. I mean, that's just, you know, you hate to see that. You really, really do. I'm gonna save the next matchup. It's gonna be the last one I talk about for the week. I'm gonna go now to Buffalo Real Estate playing FC Transylvania. Now, this was another one where Connor and Pot, right, didn't necessarily need the win, but it kept their hopes for the buy alive. Mesh and Rosen, you felt like really wanted this win. It would secure their playoff spot. Give them potentially better seeding, and weirdly enough, this loss and this only ninety-point performance it keeps them in the realm of potentially missing the playoffs. I'm going to explain later how, but kind of a big loss and to only put up ninety points, losing one fifteen to ninety, real disappointing performance. And here's the thing for Connor and Pot, Kyler Murray put up eight points, Tyler Lockett put up four points. I don't know if that's ever going to happen again. I imagine the two of them combining for 12 has maybe only happened on Kyler's bye week when Tyler Lockett was the only one playing. For Connor and Pott to not only put up 115, but to get a win is really impressive. And how'd they do it? Everybody else on their team put up double digits, and that's just a great performance. And, you know, you've heard me talk about him before, but I just feel like because he's on Jacksonville, James Robinson has only two weeks this season where he did not put up double-digit points. James Robinson, undrafted pickup. I'm looking right now. Obviously, I should have done all this research before. Yada, yada, yada. Bear fucking with me. Leave me alone, all right? I'm trying my best here to have a pod, run a career, live with a fiance, be a person, so bear with me. I don't do as much prep as I'm supposed to. James Robinson is the fourth highest scoring running back in fantasy fun fact i'll give you 10 seconds right now to think about who are the three running backs who are ahead of him james robinson is fourth who would you say dick 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 i'll let you think i'll let you think if you guessed in order dalvin cook one alvin kamara two derrick henry three you'd be right those are the only three running backs ahead of james fucking robinson it's actually like a wild year, like looking at the top running backs. James Robinson, four. Antonio Gibson, a rookie, five. Kareem Hunt, backup running back, fit, uh, ninth. Ronald Jones, backup running back, tenth. Mike Davis, pickup, twelve. I mean, just such a weird year. Naheem Hines has somehow ended up as like the, what a, an odd year for running backs. Just not the normal year you'd expect. But, I mean, James Robinson, it's unbelievable and, you know, that is so crucial for Buffalo real estate because he really—obviously, he was just great overall, but he carried this team through the Eckler injury, right? By having him on the team, they were able to skate by— and obviously, they had Drake, and, the, but having Robinson be consistent, it's really, really impressive, and they get Eckler back, who was just so involved. I mean, 11 catches. Thank God for all of us, we don't do a pure PPR— But this is a team that has a lot of firepower. And look, I obviously have to come clean on something. And we're going to come clean when I talk about Jason's team too. But since week five, heading after five weeks, my hate on Rob Gronkowski felt entirely warranted. Still the worst pick of the draft for where they picked him. I still believe it was the sixth round. Since then, he has only had two weeks in which he did not put up double-digit points one of those weeks was when Tampa put up only three points. So sometimes that shit just happens. I mean, he's probably, since week five, I haven't done my research. I bet you he's the second tight end behind Kelsey, maybe third. But just, the guy's legit, and you know, he's not just doing it with touchdowns, right? He This past week, six catches for 106, so I mean, they're clearly going to him. He's the real deal, and I need to eat crow. They didn't even start him this week because Hawkinson's been so good, but I need, you know, I'm a man of my word here, you know, and Gronk has shit down my throat since week six. That's the reality of it. Looking at Mesh and Rosen's team, you know, they've had this team now for a bunch of weeks where it's like they have all of these, like, backup or second-hand running backs, right? This week they started Brian Hill. They still have Gio Bernard. And it's like in any given week, those guys could – put up big weeks, and you'd be like, oh, wow, how savvy. But then when they have weeks like this where they're bad, you're like, ugh, that's why it's tough to live and die by the backup running back. Obviously, this team is, you know, Joe Mixon's out now. Bernard had been good, except now he wasn't. But, and Galladay's been out, and that's been tough for this team. But, you know, McLaurin, Cup, Sh- Shepard, this is not a bad team, but not necessarily, I don't know. I don't know if they're good enough to really win it all, but I don't know whether it's a good thing whether Young-Hway Koo has been like one of their top scorers for the last like five weeks. Because on the one hand, it's great that they've been so savvy and had a great kicker. On the other hand, it's like you can't have your kicker be your highest scorer in a week and expect good things to happen. So again, I want to say that Connor and Pot had called out Mesh and Rosen as one of their rivals, if not their biggest rival. So they get a big win in our matchup of two of our three most recent reigning champs. Connor and Pott come out on top, and their their meteoric rise that they claimed, right, all the way to first, they are, they are going to end up in second or third most likely for the season, but they're a real, real competitive team heading into the playoffs. Two more matchups to look at from last week. You had me and Evan in a must-win play Brian and Jason. And not surprisingly, what did we not do? Win. A couple things happened. Brian and Jason had a very good week. 122 points. What are you going to do? In a similar world to the Rob Gronkowski thing, I shat on Brian and Jason for the Mahomes and Mark Andrews pick. Now, thankfully, Mark Andrews didn't play, but Mahomes decided to throw 31 on my ass. 462 yards. I mean, it was just... It was not fun. Justin Jefferson, another, you know, probably right behind James Robinson, I would argue, in terms of fantasy MVP this year from a pickup perspective. Really, really incredible. Puts up 22. Just a really good performance all around. Um, I do not, we would not have won, you know, we would have needed like multiple things to happen. We would not have won based on anything. But Daniel Jones, we pick up and start because he's got a good matchup. He's been playing well. He's got good matchups going forward. And like fucking clockwork. Now, this is a guy who I'm pretty confident Mesh and Giants fans, correct me has been pretty healthy for his short career. But I feel like he's been healthy, hasn't missed games. We pick him up and like fucking clockwork. He's having a great game. And not only is he having a great game, but he is specifically targeting the other giant we have on our team, Evan Ingram. It looks like the two of them Daniel Jones is going to throw for 300 yards and two touchdowns and 200 yards and one of those touchdowns are going to go to Ingram. We're sitting here like we might have a chance. Daniel Jones goes down. Daniel Jones goes down. 10 fantasy points. Probably would have ended with somewhere around 20. Now, if he had done that, we would have fucking pulled our hair out because we would have lost by so close. But I actually think had he kept playing, more of those points would have gone to Ingram, yada, yada. But I know the next team we're about to talk about has had an even worse season from hell. But my... Fucking God. Like this type of shit, it just makes fantasy so annoying. That is minimum, minimum the seventh time this season a player of ours has left in the middle of the game, which is so much worse than just having a seriously hurt team because in a 10-team league and with two IR spots, there are enough bench and roster spots to continue to add valuable players. But when you start a guy and then he comes out, you get fucked. We had Dak. We've had Daniel Jones. We had Chris Carson twice, Deontay Johnson twice, James It's just James Conner once, Chris Godwin once. It is the fucking worst, and I can't handle it. And then I fucking hate this. Chris Carson had a fine game. He had 13 points. But all week you hear that he's healthy, that he's going to play all this. Then he plays 37% of the snaps. Thankfully, one of them was a goal line snap, and he gets the touchdown. But it's like these fucking experts don't know shit. All right? They don't know shit, and I'm tired of it, and I hate it. We lost. We have an absolute miracle puncher's chance at making the playoffs. I'll get into it. We're not going to. We're not going to. And if we do, it's going to be the same thing. We're going to be the fucking sixth seed who scrapped in and we'll get our asses kicked by Pot and Connor or David and Henry and we'll lose and we'll play in the fifth sixth seed game, if anything, or we'll make the consolation bracket. And don't even get me started on with all of those injury things. I didn't even mention that for the first time in my whole fucking life, and the first time Evan and I ever as partners, we get the number one pick and we draft McCaffrey. And it's clear from the three games McCaffrey played, had he played all season, he would have been the number one guy in fantasy. And we would have had 22 points a game. But of course, a guy who never missed a snap in college and had never missed a snap in the NFL heading into this year, now. He actually came back from the original injury, had a great game, and at the end got a random other injury. It is fucking snake bit to a level. I cannot begin to process or communicate. I am miserable. I am broken up about it. And I'm just glad that I have a fucking microphone in front of me to be able to say something. But we lose. Good job by Jason and Brian. We'll talk more about their team as we look forward pod's running longer than I want. I'm sorry. She's got a lot to say. Whew. Let's all breathe. Let's all breathe. We move to the final matchup of the week, which was a fucking doozy. The machines, Jay and Brent, take down Morningwood had Statman and Mitch 98 to 95, 99 to 95 effectively, ending Statman and Mitch's season. And this was a wild one. You would look at this score and go, neither team scored over 100. This probably wasn't that interesting. You would be so, so wrong. Just an absolute crazy matchup. Why? Games are fine, whatever. Heading into Monday, right? Statman and Mitch were winning, and Statman and Mitch had Roethlisberger still left to play, and DK Metcalf. Roethlisberger in this wild Steelers-Ravens game. Who knows when it's going to happen, if it's going to happen. Metcalf playing Monday night. The machines, Jay and Brent, have Russell Wilson at quarterback, Juju also in the game, and at the time had the Baltimore defense. Now, where does this get interesting? This gets interesting because on Monday, Jay calls me because he has realized that he was not paying attention, nor was Brent, To my constant texting about needing to put in backups and they not only had not put in a backup for Juju or the Baltimore defense but it's not even like I could have tried to be nice and say well right you know hey you had two guys on your bench who put up like eight and four I'm gonna take the logo everyone on their bench was hurt or put up zero they had nobody to be able to sub in it was amazing so they were going to get zeros from both of those guys if um, if the Steelers-Ravens game got canceled. And Statman and Mitch had picked up Fitzpatrick and said that he was their backup for Big Ben. So here was the deal. Stat- Jay and Brent were winning by eight heading into Monday night. So all they needed was Russ Wilson to not get outscored by DK Metcalf. Or sorry, they were down by eight. That's what it was. They were down by eight. So all they needed was Russ Wilson to outscore Metcalf by eight. Metcalf outscores Wilson by eight. So Jay and Brent are fucked if this Steelers Ravens game doesn't happen. Now they're rooting for it. They actually do something really savvy and they pick up the Philadelphia defense. They pick up the Philadelphia defense instead of Baltimore. So Baltimore, unfortunately, the Philadelphia defense only puts up three points. And then, sorry, they might have been up. They might have been up by 8. They were up by 8. I fucked that up. I'm sorry. I'm an embarrassment right now. They were up by 8. Metcalf outscores them. They're fucked. Their problem was if the game got canceled, Fitz would have been in for Big Ben. He had 19, so they would effectively have lost by 19. The game happens— And Juju outscores Big Ben, and the machines win. And now, Statman and Mitch have to sit there knowing if they had started Ryan Fitzpatrick or Robbie Anderson or David Montgomery at those two guys in their flex, they win the matchup and keep their playoff hopes alive for a team that I think— and we're fucking playing them this week— is actually pretty good and would have been really dangerous in the playoffs with Michael Thomas now back and healthy, although Kareem Hunt not the same now without with Nick Chubb back. But anyway, and they cost themselves their season, and this game actually happening, and it worked out, and the Steelers took such an early, weird lead. It was such a gross game. Their offense clearly wasn't ready. Big Ben never got it going, but he happened to throw his one touchdown to Juju. It was the one thing Statman and Mitch couldn't have happened. And he does, and they lose, and now Jay and Brent are six and six, and are I mean, granted, they still are pretty much in a win and need to be in scenario. We'll explain why they're not totally. There's a world where they could lose and stay in, I believe, but just wild. I just wish you all were on that phone call from Jay. I just I need to give Jay and Brent credit. I know that they're not, you know, the most active in the group. Me, whatever, whatever. This team drafted Saquon one and Chubb two. Saquon obviously out for the year. Chubb was out for most of the year. They then had DeAndre Swift later, and they they do the, they draft Le'Veon Bell in like the fourth, and then so they're just totally injury snake bit from the beginning of the season. They finally do smart things and they pick up Miles Gaskin, who at the time I made fun of. Gaskin becomes a star, not a star, but like 13 or 15 every week. I mean, he was great. I'm looking now. He had only one week under double digits once he took over the starting job after week two. And then he gets hurt. And now for the playoff push, he's been out. They pick up Rex Burkhead, who honestly started getting hot for the Patriots, right, and had a couple double-digit weeks back-to-back. And then he gets hurt. DeAndre Swift finally getting his act together. Back-to-back double-digit weeks. He gets hurt. I mean, this team is snake bit to no end, and yet they keep finding a way. They keep moving forward. This is the Evan Acco voice in the back of my head saying this because it's a 10-fucking-team league and we don't have extra flex spots. I hear you. I hear you. I see your texts every week. I get it, Evan. But anyway, Jay and Brent really deserve some appreciation for what's been an amazing season of fortitude. They get the W and are in sixth place. So here's how the close items break down. We have three teams at six and six, and they are four through six. Jackson and Abe are six and six with 1,390 points, which is 40 more than any of the remaining teams behind them. So again, barring a catastrophe where they put up, you know, 70, right? And Swirlies puts up, and I'll explain how Swirlies puts up 120. Barring a catastrophe like that, Peyton's man thing has all but clinched. Now, FC Transylvania has not all but clinched. I actually realized there's a very real scenario where they don't make it, which is if they lose, the Machines win and Swirlies win, then FC Transylvania could realistically fall out of the playoffs at 6-7. and seven, And we could have Swirlies take the sixth spot at 6-7. and seven. So FC Transylvania, again, odds are, they're going to make it because all they need is for the machines to also lose and then they're in. If Swirlies loses, they're in. If Swirlies loses, there's a world where we out, we win and we outscore them by 30 and get in, but it's unrealistic. We need some another way to get in the playoffs. So then it really gets interesting. The machines are 6-6, six and six, yes, but they have the lowest point total of any remaining team. So they, for the most part, have a win-and-in mentality. A need to win and a loser losing out because if they lose, they would need all of us, Swirlies, and Robbie and Justin to lose in order to stay in the playoffs. Now, that's possible as the schedule would have it, right? Like, none of us are really playing each other in that way. So the machines have a path also where they can lose. But there's also the risk for these teams in that none of us are playing each other, right? The benefit is there's a world where we all lose. The risk is that there's a world where all of us could win, in which case, or, you know, there's, so there's a real risk there. Now, Swirlies, five and seven, having lost four in a row, devastating. They, for the, you know, they can operate. Oh, so they are, so yeah, they, if they, sh- if they win, they are most likely in. But they do need one of the machines or FC Transylvania to lose. And we're going to talk about whether there's a likelihood of all those things happening. So they are a win. And if one of those two teams loses, likelihood is they have the point total. Now, they're playing Peyton's man thing. So if they just outscore Peyton's man thing by 35 in their win, crazier things have happened, right? Last week, we had two teams win by 60+. plus. If they outscore them by 35, then they're guaranteed a spot because they'd be beating them and then surpassing them. So Swirlies is a variety of pass. Then you have us and Robbie and Justin, both of whom are five and seven, and both of whom don't really have the points to be able to surpass Mesh and Rosen. So both of us are hoping for a win, for the other one to lose, for the machines to lose, and for Swirlies to lose. Now that is all possible. That's the fun part of this week is that all of those scenarios are possible. It's just that they also are very likely to not happen, right? So we're going to talk in a minute. We're going to go through all the matchups, but that might have been hard without looking at it. But again, I would argue Peyton's man thing and FC Transylvania have a a more than good, probably a more, you know, if I was ESPN doing their probability shit that doesn't make sense, I'd say both of them have a more than 50% chance of making the playoffs. The machines, I would put it like a hard 50, maybe even lower because I don't love their team, but they are, you know, they lose and there's a strong likelihood that one of the other three teams wins and they fall out. And then the three of us at five and seven, right, obviously all need something to happen. And, you know, some of us need multiple things to happen, right? Akko Weiss and Co., that's us. We need Swirlies and the machines to lose, or we need the machines, and FC Transylvania to lose, and us to outscore FC Transylvania by over 25. Now, again, also possible, but all of these things are difficult. So we go to the matchups. Now, what's so unfortunate is so four of our matchups of five feature a team that is fighting for its playoff life. So four of them have interest. What's so frustrating is we also have Cup Half Full playing against Buffalo Real Estate, and if we had just been able, me and Evan, had just been able to beat Cup Half Full last week, it would not have changed any of the implications of the playoff picture. And from the bottom's end, right, we would still need to win and be in all those things. And it would have made Cup Half Full versus Buffalo Real Estate a potential win and get the one seed. But also, Akka's Florida Home Rented now would have been playing for the one seed. Now, Buffalo Real Estate... And Aqua Florida Home Rented are both playing to try and get that two seed, but there's just there's not as much intrigue at the top. Brian and Jason got the one seed; they get the money from that, and that's just the reality. It is worth noting. Jason can sit here and brag as much as he wants about his consistency is key thing, and that's true, and it's great, right? They're gonna end most likely with the third most points. So, and yes, there's a lot of strategy in drafting to, you know, the, the idea of Mahomes is you get consistency and that's more valuable than the chance at a 10th round pick. Really interesting strategy. But it's also fucking great when you, other than, you know, you, you, you get points against on average like 100 lower than everyone else in the league, right? That averages out to what, like 10 points a week potentially on average that you had lower, right? If you sw- So it's tough to have as much respect for that one seed, when you then look at AKA's Florida home rented now having 160 more points scored against them and being the two seed, right? You grow a little more appreciation. Now at the end of the day, right? It's kind of like how the Steelers are 11 and 0 and have played like three teams with a winning record or something like that, and two of them have had COVID, right? With the Titans and the and the Ravens. So who knows? So again, we have that one matchup, but let's go to all the matchups. We start. One of the—and I just want to say, actually, before I get into it, as fun as the machines winning their matchup was last week because it was so crazy, it would have been so much more fun if Morning Woodhead had won because that would have meant we would have had five, five and seven teams. And then when we play Morning Woodhead, it would have meant one of us was guaranteed to win. So it would have put so much pressure on everybody else fighting for it. But now the machines are a game. It just— It's a little bit different. So that's a bummer. But we start with Peyton's man thing, Jackson and Abe versus Swirlies for the Loser, Weissman and Kess. Um, Fun fact, each of these partnerships feature a Roaring Brook and a Graflin member. Just throwing it back to the good old days. So good to see that the elementary school rivalries didn't last and people were able to cross those lines if only the political spectrum could be as friendly you know makes you think holy shit so this matchup so again for the most part Jackson and Abe are safe even if they lose they're probably okay Weissman and Kess really need to win Jackson and Abe just need to put up points that's really all they need to do if they put up like a hundred they're good they, they don't even need to root against Weissman and Kess it's not really that important they just need to root for their guys you know and look it's a team with Deshaun Watson, Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, Derrick Henry, and then I don't love Clyde. It's hard to imagine that they're not going to put up points. Weissman and Kess, on the other hand, you know, they, Jonathan Taylor is such a potential weakness. I don't know what to think about him, and they're also starting Debo Sam. You know, this is a team, Weissman and Kess, who Mike Evans and Ronald Jones have been pretty solid and important guys for them, and they're both on by. They get screwed by the Week 13 bye, which, hello, one other team. Notice us are going to get fucking screwed by these Week 13 buys. I can't even believe that there's a Week 13 buy. What is the NFL fucking doing with a Week 13 buy? It's disrespectful. Honestly, the NFL needs to do slightly a bit more job of appreciating how much fantasy and gambling is a part of their league and do a little bit more to appease its fans in that way. I'm furious. But anyway... So Weissman and Kess, you know, not playing with their best. I am sadly, and granted, this is self-serving. I am going to pick Jackson and Abe to get the win, bury Weissman and Kess's playoffs hopes, and keep my playoffs hopes alive. And Jackson and Abe, look, there's a world. I guess they can't really pass David and David and Henry have so many points that nobody who's six and six can catch them, even if they lose and drop to seven and six. So. That's that. So that is uh, the first matchup in week 13 that we have. We go next to another important matchup. So we have David and Henry, Akos Florida home now rented, playing the machines, Jay and Brent. David and Brent. This is also featuring, I guess Henry you can't call Grafflin, because he's a transfer in, but it would have been two rowing brooks and two graflins david and henry versus brent and jay that'll be interesting to see how many times that holds up am i discovering a wild pattern here who knows uh also david and brent this is the battle of the elementary school bullies Uh, both of you were not really kind people back then luckily you've turned out to be so wonderful so goes to show you you can never you know don't judge too early but how will they fare in a very important matchup You know, it's like David and Henry, they're guys. It's like, it's tough to get a little motivated, right? There is value in the two-seed. You want that buy. But in reality, in fantasy, if you're good enough, what difference does it really make? And if you're the three-seed, that means you get the six-seed in round one, which means you get the shittier team, right? So you can kind of gain some momentum, and then you end up playing the two-seed anyway. So how much does that really, really matter? You know, obviously it matters, but— It's hard for David and Henry's guys to be motivated in the locker room. I also just, I will be shocked. You heard it now. Granted, I don't know what they're going to do. I'll be shocked if they start Cam Newton at quarterback. That guy blows. Cam Newton at quarterback. I mean, I guess before last week, he was putting up okay fantasy numbers because he runs it. Uh, You know, so maybe I'm sitting here corrected, but this guy has two different weeks of below five points actually playing quarterback. It's kind of wild. So we'll see. Um, Crazy to think that somebody will be starting a New York Jet in their, you know, in an important playoff game. But Jamison Crowder, they're starting. I mean, look, this team, to me, it's Tyreek, you know, Dalvin Cook. um, If he's healthy, you got Tyreek, you got Dalvin Cook, A.J. Brown, Antonio Gibson. That's a lot of guys getting hot. Obviously, the big question will be, the reason Jamison Crowder's in the lineup is because Will Fuller, is suspended, obviously, for the season. So the question will be, can Crowder do enough to fill that fuller void, right? You imagine on average you're talking about five to seven points a week. Sometimes it could be bigger. Is Crowder the weak link that ends up costing this team now and in the future? We may never know. On the other side, Jay and Brent are praying, you know, this matchup is very different if Swift and if Gaskin are healthy, and they potentially are starting both of those guys. Who knows if they'd start both, because they have Smith-Schuster, Devontae Parker, and Chark, who's potentially coming back from injury. So again, this team could have so many more healthy guys and be a bit more competitive. Even with all that, though, I just think David and Henry, the firepower is too strong, and you know it's hard not to love their big stars. If Dalvin Cook is hurt, I change my vote, but I'm going to pick David and Henry to win, secure that two seed, secure that by Jay and Brent lose, which really opens up that six seed. That would be exciting. That would be exciting. So that's what I'll be rooting for here. We move to our next matchup. And again, I'm a slave to just the order that Yahoo fucking has these going bottom to top. The next one is perhaps the most exciting matchup, but I guess they're all fucking exciting. And the other Mesh and Rosen, taking on Robbie and Justin. So this is a championship rematch, but potentially a loser leaves town. Now again, Mesh and Rosen, it would be really, really hard for them to fall out because they would need, I guess, honestly, all they need to do is lose and Kess wins and they would, or they would need to lose and us win by enough to knock them out. But then the machine, there are plenty of machinations where they lose, but so there's a chance that it's a loser leaves town. Um, you know, this re- I mean, if Robbie and Justin don't have Lamar, I don't think they're going to be able to pull this off. If they have, though, Ridley, Thielen, you know, if they don't have Josh Jacobs, I mean, it, this could be really, really bad for them. They might not have a full team. I'm obviously going to pick Mesh and Rosen, who just have a more healthy and full team. Um, worth noting, Mesh and Rosen, another Graflin and Roaring Brook pair. That's wild. The first five pairs we reviewed, Graflin and Roaring Brook, We now go to our first non-Graflin-Roaring Brook pairing, Robbie and Justin, a Roaring Brook-West Orchard pairing. Wild to think that Roaring Brook so far represented in all six teams we have. I know that's not going to hold. I can also think ahead as to who the other teams are going to be, but just interesting. Just some interesting things to think about so far. Um... Yeah, I mean, Mesh and Rosen are gonna win. If Robbie and Justin have Lamar, I think it'll be a worthwhile matchup. They have good team, you know, they have good guys, and they do have the Vegas defense against the Jets, which like you never know. That could be twenty-five fucking points, so who knows? But my money is on Mesh and Rosen. Yes, yes. If all of these things that I've said happen, then all Jake and Evan would need to do is win, and we're in. I know. I honestly believe everything I'm saying. But yeah, sure. Am I trying to create a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy? Yeah. Back the fuck off, all right? I get the pot. We now go to our boring matchup of the week in that it doesn't have lots of implications. Sure, Connor and Pop would love to be the two seed, and I guess maybe rather than falling to three, four, whatever it is. But in reality, not a lot here. This is more getting the guys tuned up for the playoffs, you know? Just kind of getting people excited. We'll see what happens. Um Connor and Pot just want their guys to get healthy. Uh, you know, Connor and Pot, granted, they didn't need Curtis Samuel or Gronk. They truly didn't. But nice for them that Week 13 really doesn't matter so that the two of those guys being on bye doesn't matter too much. It'll be interesting to see as they head into the playoffs. They have Brandon Cooks, who obviously now with Fuller out gains value. Curtis Samuel, then they have Gronk, and they have Hawkinson. It'll be interesting to see who, if any of those guys make their way into the lineup that has Lockett, Julio, Drake, Eckler, and James Robinson. I don't know. They're going to have a lot of choices. You just hope you don't have one of those analysis paralysis situations where they make the wrong choice and it costs them. On the other side, we have our top team. Again, I don't find this team to be overwhelmingly incredible, but they have a lot of good guys, and what's interesting for them is they get Mostert back, Brian and Jason, and they'll have to look at is Mostert somebody who makes their way into the lineup, either in place of either David or Duke Johnson, whoever's playing at the time, or in the Claypool spot at the Flex. They'll have to make that decision this week and moving forward. Luckily, they get this week to evaluate how all those guys do to see what they're going to do heading forward in the playoffs. Worth noting, something interesting here, two of our top three teams are dual elementary schools. Connor and Pott, both Graflin. Brian and Jason, both West Orchard. You don't see much of that. Very interesting. These two teams at the top with those combos. So we had, what did we have? Five Roaring Brook-Graflin pairings, one Roaring Brook-West Orchard pairings, and now a double Graflin and a double West Orchard. That moves us to the final matchup of the week. I really wish that Statman and Mitch had won last week because it would just... It would have made this so much more interesting. Now Statman and and you you actually can't imagine, guys. I would go, I wish I went back and looked again. I should do more research. I would argue that in the last five years, at least twice, we've been playing Statman and Mitch in a win and in lose and out situation. Which this wouldn't have been exactly that. There's a world where even if Statman and Mitch had won, you could have we could have won and not made it because Swirlies could have could have done it, but. I remember a few years back we played them and they had Antonio Brown playing either the Sunday night or the Monday night game and he won it for them and knocked us out of the playoffs. I want to say that that was two years ago. I think I was living down in Wall Street or uh, down on Broadway. So I remember. Now they just get to play spoiler and the ironic part is they have such a better team. Now, Like, look, my team— Our team has fucking Christian McCaffrey or Mike Davis on by Chris Godwin on by. Now, you could say that's your fault for drafting them, but the annoying part about McCaffrey is you should have had him for 12 weeks so that you didn't need him in week 13 because your team was so good, but he's been hurt. He finally would have been healthy. He's out. And Tyler Boyd, who's been so fucking awesome, is now going to be worthless with no Joe Burrow. So we essentially lose three guys for the most important week. Not to mention Danny Jones was going to be going up against this sieve of a Seattle defense. He's hurt. And James Conner has COVID. Now we have Benny Snell, but like you're talking about playing a backup running back. If we win and if we make the playoffs, it will be a miracle. I honestly don't actually see a path to it happening. I physically don't know how it would happen. Because um, and Image just have a really good team. Um, luckily, they have their two Carolina receivers on by, but now they're playing David Montgomery, who put up 22 points last week. So, fuck me. Or they could play Gurley. It's just like we're gonna lose. But so I'm picking Statman and Mitch to win. Which, if I pick, if all the things I said happened, I think that would mean that I just picked the six, seven, eight, and nine teams to lose. So that would mean the machines lose and get in with likely the lowest point total in the league, which just goes to show anything can happen. And again, if they get healthy, they could easily beat one of Connor and Pot or David and Henry in that three-seed in the playoffs. I don't think it's likely, but we'll come back to that in the future. So that's what I'm predicting. I'm predicting we get that. And I think what that would mean is had Statman and Mitch won last week, it would mean that with my predictions, they would have snuck in as the sixth seed. Now, again, who knows if that's going to happen, but that's what my predictions mean. So that's a real donkey kick in the nuts. Worth noting, by the way, to close it out, Akko and I, another Roaring Grafflin pair. So that's a sixth Roaring Grafflin pair. Statman and Mitch is our lone Grafflin west Orchard pair, the only one. So what's cool is we did actually have every permutation of combos. Oh, no, we didn't. We did not have a double Roaring Brook team. So the Roaring Brook guys did not stick together. Shout out. Josh and I were a Roaring Brook team together and won it all. Maybe there's something to be said for the being with somebody, or maybe it's with Rosen who's won five fucking championships. Who knows? So this has been a really long pod. I won't go any further. What a fucking league. What a fucking week we just had. What a week we have upcoming. Keep the banter in the group me going. Tell me what you want to hear. You know, obviously next week we'll go over what's been a wild season. Next week will not only be a playoff preview, but I'll do some um, regular season kind of MVPs, LVPs, best matchups, all these different things. But hey, guys, we have a week coming up where other than Morning Woodhead, everybody is playing for something. And, f- and five and theoretically six teams have the chance to make or fall out of the playoffs. That's what you want, right? You want—so it'll be crazy. We'll all be watching. And hopefully COVID does not fuck all of us in the ass and, and fuck up the season and fuck up our fantasy. You know, that would suck. But wow. Just wow. And by the way, just so that if we ever listen to these in the future and we're listening back and we're wondering, the Jets are 0-11. And are likely going to go 0-16. Um, but maybe we look back and say that was the best thing because it gets us Trevor Lawrence. But my God, is it shitty. I like don't even think about the Jets. So that's all right. And the Giants are in first place at 4-7. and seven. So there you go. Fucking COVID, guys. All right. What an episode. What a year. This has been Fantasies from the Bedroom, where we make all your fantasy dreams come true. I've been your host, Jake Weiss. Until next week.